0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's Shepherd Town today? Let's put your hands together and thank this worship team if we can. How many of you were blessed by the worship? You were just blessed by the worship. Everybody's feeling good? You're looking good sounding good that's good that's good i want you to look inside your bulletin if you will uh there's a sermon outline and i'd like to have you grab that sermon outline and uh we live in some crazy times i think you know that and uh, we're going to wrap up this series called leaping in expectation and uh, that has to do with hope and uh, we're not only going to wrap up this series, but that phrase will be with us uh, throughout the entire year. And uh, you'll see that even starting next weekend when we start a brand new series. Uh, there are some 3,000 promises in the Word of God. And uh, anytime you hear or read one of those promises, you need to understand that uh, those are for you. And whenever God leads you to do something, you just say, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord. Lord. In fact, you can't even say the words, no, Lord, because if you say no, then he's not really your Lord. That means that he's in charge. And so I hope that uh, this series has been a blessing to you and that uh, you are stepping out in faith in those areas that God has called you to. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14, and I really want you to hold that and look at that and have that passage open, John chapter 14. And uh, I want to talk to you about this chapter that deals with people who have broken hearts. And all over this room today are people who have troubled hearts. I don't know if you know, but but heart disease is the leading cause of death among men and women in the United States of America. One person in the United States of America dies every 37 seconds from cardiovascular disease. That's one in every four deaths in this country. The heart is a wonderful creation. It's a muscle about the size of your fist that exists inside your chest and it beats 75 to 80 times per minute. That's 100,000 heartbeats per day. That's 40 million heartbeats per year. And if you live to be about 80, your heart will have beaten over 3 billion times. But one day, when we least expect it, that heart will beat for the final time and when it stops beating life is over for you and I here on this earth John chapter 14 Jesus is not talking about physical heart trouble he's talking about a burdened heart a broken heart a sorrowful heart this kind of heart trouble there money there's no money cannot cure it a medical report cannot prevent it No exercise can mend it. The only cure for a broken heart is Jesus. He's the only cure. John chapter 14 has been called the comforting chapter. It has been read many times at funerals and brought comfort to many broken hearts. There was a pastor in England at the turn of the 19th century named F.B. Myers and he had a Bible that had been passed down through generations. And he said that when he got the Bible, he opened it, and many of the pages were perfectly clean, like they had never, ever been read, like, just like they were the day it came off the printing press. But he said when he turned to John chapter 14, the pages were worn. The scriptures were underlined and there were tears stains on the page. People who had wept while reading it, receiving comfort from God. If you're here today and your heart is troubled, you need to live in John chapter 14. The very first verse says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is a message of hope. That when your heart is broken or troubled, you need to continue to trust in God and to continue to trust in Jesus. Amen? In your outline, I want to give you four things that you can trust in. If you're a, if you're a believer here, you can trust in these four things. Number one, you must trust in God's word. Trust in God's word. Life is full of disappointments. There are always times where things don't go as you planned. We are fearful people. We are disillusioned people. We are tempted. We are troubled. The book of Job in chapter 5, verse 7 says that man is born into trouble. Well, you didn't need anyone to tell you that. You know that by your own experience. And maybe recently you've got a... Uh, a list of bad news, whether you've lost a job or lost a loved one or your finances are upside down or your son or your daughter is no longer in the faith. Uh, During those times of difficulty, don't run from God, run towards God. Pick up your Bible, read through the promises of God, trust in God. Trust in what God has to say. Whenever Jesus tells you something, you can take it to the bank. He cannot lie. We've read, uh, you've read some of these promises. I'm going to show you several today. We're going to look at like two or three promises that he made. There's still almost 3,000 other promises That when you read, when God speaks, you can take him at his word. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. Why would he say that to the disciples? Well, you have to go back and read chapter 13. Chapter 13, he had dropped several bombshells on the disciples. He told them that one of them were going to betray him. He told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he gave him the worst of news He told them that he was leaving, that he was going to die. And when he said that, they all freaked out. You see, because they thought that Jesus had come to set up an earthly kingdom, that he was going to be in charge, and they were in the inner circle, and so for three years, their lives had centered around Jesus, and now he's telling them that he's leaving, that he's out, that he's going to die, and they all start freaking out like, well, what are we going to do? We changed all our plans. We're following you, and now you're leaving. Where are you going? And in the midst of all that chaos, he goes, hey, fellas, fellas 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 do not let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust in me write this down those are words of wisdom for a lifetime that whatever it is you're going through trust in Jesus well my loved one just died I don't I don't know if I will ever see them again trust in Jesus I don't know if I can actually tithe. I hear you talking about that. I, I, that whole thing is, con- trust in Jesus. I don't care if I can, I don't know if I can really get rid of this bitterness in my heart. I was really mistreated when I was younger and people did some things to me and I, my whole life I've just lived with this pain. You need to learn to trust in Jesus. You say, well, I lay awake all night long, pastor. I can't sleep. I'm up all night long worrying about things. Trust in Jesus. You say, well, I don't know if I'll ever have victory over this addiction. You need to trust in Jesus because Jesus is greater than any problem you ever face in this life. Number two, you need to trust that God is preparing your heavenly home. You need to trust that God is preparing your heavenly home. He said in the very next verse, verse two, these are words of encouragement that in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And you want to know where I'm going? You're all stressed out. Let me tell you where I'm going. I'm going back to heaven where I'm going to be preparing a place for you. While you're down here on this earth worrying about any and everything, guess where Jesus is? Now, the Holy Spirit is with you, but guess where Jesus is? Jesus is up in heaven preparing your heavenly home. I want to tell you three quick things about heaven. Are you ready? Number one, heaven is a real place. There is a place called heaven. It's not a state of mind. It's not make-belief. It's not a figment of your imagination or someone's fantasy. It is a real, genuine place. You say, well, where is it exactly? Well, we don't know that for sure. The Bible refers to it as up there. And a lot of times we'll read in the Bible it speaks of the heavens or above the heavens or up there. That's what you and I say. It's up there. We never think it's down there, we always think it's up there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, there's always a skeptic, there's always a critic who doesn't believe the Bible and doesn't believe in it, always trying to find fault, and they'll say, well, how can it be up? We're here. If this was a globe right here, can you see the globe? And we're over here on the western edge in California, and when we say up, we're pointing that way. People down in Australia, when they say up, they're pointing that direction. And Paul, when he was over in Israel, he said up, he was pointing that. How? If, if we're pointing this way and they're pointing there in Australia, how can it be up? First of all, when the Bible was written, you got to remember this over 2000 years ago, everybody thought the world was flat. Now, if the world is flat, which it's not, <laughs> but if the world was flat and that's what they truly believed and they all said heaven is up, they would all be correct, correct? But we know better now. The world is a circle. It's it's the earth. And so the question still remains if we're over here in California, and when we're saying up, oh, we're pointing that, and people down in Australia point that, and over in Israel, they say up, oh, they're pointing that direction. Which, where is it? Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is one place on the face of the earth that is always up. Do you know where it is? It's the North Star. Now, it's not by accident that no matter where you are, no matter what country you live in on this globe, people always say when they're talking about south, hey, let's go down. Like, let's go down to San Diego. If they go north, they're going, hey, let's go up to San Francisco. North, the north star is a fixed position in the heavens. And if you were to take a camera and open up the lens and put the lens on the North Star and you leave the shutter open, you would see that all the stars in the universe are rotating around the North Star. It would not surprise me if God put heaven, our heavenly home, somewhere up there beyond the North Star. So you can keep saying it's up if you want to. It is some place, we don't know where exactly, but I will tell you this, God knows exactly where it is. And one day as believers, we will be at home at that place, wherever it is. <laughs> Number 2. It is a permanent place. Once you get there, if you get there, you will be there forever. It's eternal. It's like that old song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And I know many of you are very comfortable with this earth, but you need to realize that this is not your home. Heaven is your permanent home. Max Lucado tells or uses the illustration, if you take a fish out of the water and you place him there on the beach and you watch his gills gasp and his scales go dry... Is he happy? The answer is, he's not happy. Well, how are you going to make him happy? Pile a bunch of cash on top of him? Will that make him happy? Maybe rub some sunscreen all over him? Would that make him happy? Maybe get him a beach chair and a martini? Would that make him happy? No. Why? Because he's not where he belongs. And in the same way, you will never and you're not supposed to ever feel at home here on this earth because you are not really made for earth. Whatever joy or peace you find in this life will never compare to the joy and the peace when you're in your heavenly home. There was a doctor named Dr. Brackett and he practiced in a small town in small town America. He was known as the poor man's friend because he spent hours by the bedside of the less fortunate in his community, and he never took a fee for his services. He lived in a small room above a shop in the middle of town, and he had these stairs that went up to where he lived above the shop. And at the base of those stairs was a plaque that read, Dr. Brackett, Office Upstairs. And one time in his life, on a particular day, he was supposed to get married. But on that day, he was called to a poor family's house to assist the woman with a difficult childbirth. And he stayed with the couple until the child was safely delivered. And he missed his wedding. When he returned, his fiancée had called off the wedding, decided that she didn't want to have anything to do with him ever again. And so the remainder of his life was one of selfless dedication to the sick and to the poor and to the lonely. The day came where he himself died. It was the largest funeral that small town had ever experienced the townspeople came together to discuss ways and means to uh, perpetuate his memory in their small town various proposals and suggestions were made but as often in situations like this nothing ever was really done except by the poor latino couple whose child he delivered on what was supposed to be his wedding day one day on their way home They removed that sign from his stairwell and the following day it reappeared over his grave surrounded by flowers. It read, Dr. Brackett, office upstairs. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, when you cross over this great divide from this life into the next, if you are a Christian You will finally be at home with the Lord in your heavenly dwelling, and it will be your permanent dwelling place for all of time. Number three, it is a perfect place. I gave you the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Sometime you need to sit down and just read what heaven is going to be like. It is a perfect place. Nothing impure lives there. No darkness, no disease, no sorrow, no tears, no ambulances, no hospitals, no nursing homes, no cemeteries, no sin, no death, no pain, no suffering. Only Jesus will be there. So don't get so worried or troubled or worked up about anything here on this earth. No matter how bad things get here, no matter how tough things get here, no matter how bleak things get here, no matter how troubled your heart gets here, know and trust and believe that God right now is preparing your heavenly home. And it's a perfect home. And number three, you need to trust that Jesus is going to return one day. He is coming back. He's up there preparing your heavenly home, but he is coming back. He said in the first verse, don't let your hearts be troubled. Second verse, he said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. But in verse three, he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am." The year was 1984. The movie was The Terminator. And Arnold Schwarzenegger said those words, I'll be back. (laughs) He stole that from Jesus. (laughs) Everything in your life, not some things, but everything in your life would come into focus if you truly believe that Jesus is going to come back one day. He said, I will come back, and he will indeed. I want you to write this down. He was using a metaphor of a Jewish wedding. The disciples would have been familiar with a Jewish wedding. A Jewish wedding, a man uh, would choose a woman and make a proposal. He would propose. And if she said yes, he would then leave. After she accepted the proposal, he would leave. And he would go and he would build the house in which they were going to live. And then one day, she never knew when. She never knew the day. She kind of knew she was engaged and that one day uh, he would come back for her. But one day when she wasn't expecting, usually it was around midnight with an entourage just suddenly the groom appears in the middle of the night and would say to her, it's time. And then he would take her and they would go back to the house that he had prepared. And there would be a ceremony and there would be a celebration and there would be much joy. And all of that is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is the groom. We The church are the bride. And he loved us. He chose us. He proposed to us. And we said, yes. I want to serve you. I want to live with you. I want to be a Christian. And so he left. Where's he at? He's up in heaven. What's he doing there? Well, for 2,000 years, he's been working on your heavenly home. Imagine how great it's going to be. He put earth together in seven days. Imagine what heaven's gonna be like when he's been working on it for 2,000 years. And one day, according to verse three, Jesus is going to return. And he's going to take us, his bride, the church, and we're gonna go live with him for all of eternity. The next logical question is when is he coming and that's really the point we don't know when he's coming back Matthew 24 verse 36 says that no one knows about that day or hour not even the angels in heaven nor the Sun which means that Jesus doesn't even know but only God the Father has determined at what point Jesus is going to return The Bible says in verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. You just need to be ready. Verse 43, understand this. If the owner had known at what time of night the thief was coming, why, he would have been kept watch. He would not let his house be broken into. In other words, it's just like when a thief shows up, you're never prepared for that. Our house, my house, the house that I live in, the week of Christmas, Christmas week, Someone broke into our house. I was out of town. My wife had just left to go see the grandbaby. And someone broke in our house. I live in a gated community. I will tell you that. It doesn't matter where you live. They broke in, a, they knocked the door down, glass everywhere, ransacked the house, took everything, which wasn't much. <laughs> but it was scary. We didn't know when a thief was going to show up. Why, if we had known, I don't know if I still would have been there. I I, would have had someone else be there. But (laughs) the point is, that's how it is when Jesus returns. Nobody really knows. You just have to be prepared for that moment. It says in verse 44, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You say, when's he coming? He's coming at a time where you're not expecting him to come. I've always thought, what if he'd come on New Year's Eve when half the world is drunk? (laughs) Now, nobody's expecting Jesus to return at that moment. What if Jesus Christ always thought, what? What if he came, like, at halftime of the Super Bowl? And the halftime of this last Super Bowl, he should have come. Had I been Jesus, I would have just said, that's it, I'm coming back now. These people have lost their minds. I've always wanted him to return on April 14th so he wouldn't have to pay any taxes. But what if he came this very day? Could he come today? Yes. Could he come before this service is over? Yes. He could. If you read Matthew 24, you read the whole chapter, it has a listing of what's called the signs of the times. I want you to write this down. All the signs are in place. Are you sure about it? Go read it. False messiahs, Check. Wars and rumors of wars, check. Nation, fighting against nation in verse 7, check. Famines and earthquakes, check, check. False prophets, check. Verse 10, people hating one another, check. Verse 12, when you see an increase of wickedness, check. You see the love of most growing cold and indifferent in verse 12, check. Verse 14, when you see the gospel being preached around the world and today because of modern transportation and modern technology and the internet, that's a big check because the gospel is being preached around the world today. And Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, that you know that the return of Christ is at our doorstep the question is, do you believe that? Do you live your life prepared for the return of Christ? Are you trusting that it could be today? And the fourth and final point today, and this is probably the most important thing I've ever told you and I've been preaching here for 33 years, so I hope you're listening. Trusting that Jesus is your only way Into heaven he's your only door your only hope your only way of salvation if you go back to john chapter 14 jesus said if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back And I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas in verse 5 said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered in verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Imagine this afternoon you go down to LAX and you board a flight, American Airlines flight, going to Maui. It's about a six-hour flight. About an hour into the flight, the pilot comes on the intercom and says, welcome to flight 1290, service to Maui. We're cruising at about 34,000 feet today. We're going to be showing a movie called Spider-Man today. You'd be thinking, hey, this sounds pretty good. By the way, folks, he continues I'm not sure we have enough fuel to get there. The gauges tell us that we're not going to make it. But don't worry about it, he says. I've got a really good feeling about this. In fact, I've decided I'm not even going to use the fuel gauges, nor am I going to use the navigational devices, because those things are too narrow and too bigoted. And besides that, I believe all roads lead to Maui. We're going to be fine. I'm really sincere about this. Most of you would think we have a lunatic flying this plane. (laughs) You wouldn't say this. Well, you know, this sounds bad. I think I'll just take my chances. You wouldn't say that. You would say, hey, Mr. Pilot, Mr. Pilot, my life is at stake here. You need to be sure we have enough fuel to get there. And in the same way do you know that most people think that all roads lead to heaven that as long as you're sincere you'll be okay I'm not a christian but I'm just I'm just going to take my chances take your chances your eternal destiny is at stake Jesus said that no one comes to the father except through me You better be trusting in Jesus today. There was a survey several years ago that 85% of Americans believe that they're going to go to heaven. And when asked, why are you so sure you're going to go to heaven, most of them said, well, because I'm I'm a pretty good person. The number one reason why people think they're going to go to heaven, they say this, because I've never murdered anybody. I, I, I've done more good things than bad things, and I'm I'm sure I'm just sure that the Lord's going to let me in. I want you to write this down. No one is sneaking in. No one is sneaking in. I, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I know I know I'm the preacher, but I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, if you don't know Jesus, you're not sneaking in. So say that to your neighbor. They don't listen to me half the time. Maybe they'll listen to you. (laughs) I want to read this passage. It's a long passage. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I just want you to see what the Bible says, okay? Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That, that means those who've died or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. If you're a Christian when you when a loved one dies, you it's okay to grieve, but we grieve with hope. Amen. And this passage is a little confusing when people read through this, but you need to understand something before I'm going to read through it real, uh, I'll read it quick, but when you die, your Soul goes to be with Jesus. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say... Yeah, in about a couple thousand years when I come back, you'll be with me. He said, no, today you'll be with me in paradise. So when you die, your soul goes to be in the presence of the Lord. However, your earthly body is buried in a grave where it remains until one day the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That earthly body will be resurrected and be reconnected with the Lord, right? Right? So that's, that's just keep that in mind as we read through this. Brothers, do not, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, that's those of us who are here right now, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not proceed those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, chapter 5, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know that very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And while people are saying peace and safety, in other words, while people are saying everything's okay, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse 4, but you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief, because you went to church last Sunday and you heard the message about the second coming from Pastor Dudley. Verse 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He, verse 10, died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Amen Amen and amen and amen. Let's stand. Father, I have one more thing to share But before I share it, I just ask that you would give us eyes to see spiritual truths. Although we live in this very temporary physical world, may we see and understand the things of God. That our hearts would not be troubled by the things that we suffer through on this earth because this is not our home. We're just passing through. And one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return for those of us who believe in him. And we will go and live in the house of God forever and ever and ever. Bless this invitation. If there's someone here today that they've never made that commitment to jesus may they make that commitment today we pray in jesus name and all god's people said